Hello and welcome fellow film buffs. I'm Hunter Van Lierup and as always I'm joined by my co-host and fellow cinephile and fellow nice guy, Zach Droll. Hello, hello. Dude, how has it been these last couple weeks, man? It's fucking crazy. Did you get your vaccine? I've been vaccinated since March. Yo, you got both? Yeah. I, th- I don't know if you talked about it on the podcast. I, I might did. Have. You did? I don't remember, dude. It's been a month and a half. I just got my first one a couple weeks ago. I think I talked about it. And I should be getting my second one in the next week or so. So I'm excited to spit in people's mouths again. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been fully vaccinated as of March 28th. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yo, 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 yeah, yeah. You told me you got it early because you have a uh, medical condition. Yep, yes. I remember. It's all coming back to me. And um, I didn't have any small talk, so that's why I was like trying to. And I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna pimp this out towards the end. But uh, my, 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 my whole entire life's been getting pushed more into the internet. I, I have a new show coming out. I'll discuss more of that towards the end. Yeah, congrats, but, man. God damn! Who would have thought 2020 would have been the year I become an internet personality? <laughs> hey, man, I got a bunch of podcasts too. It is what it is. It's awesome. It's fun. More creative outlets, the better, you know. I guess so. But so it's just crazy though. I never would have thought that. I have a podcast. I have a post-show podcast for wrestling, and I have uh, another show coming up, which I'm just gonna all discuss towards the end. Yeah, sweet. But shit. <laughs> Without any further ado, though, we are the box office losers. Each and every week, we deep dive into the movie sphere to watch and review any and all films to ever grace the TV screen, the silver screen, or any screen in particular. This week we're talking about the 2016 neo-noir action comedy film, The Nice Guys. Hell yeah, I, man. I, I'm still surprised you don't know what the silver screen was. Dude, it's because I, I don't hear it referred to as the silver screen that often. I hear it referred to I, How am I the one to hear it referred to as the silver screen? You're the movie guy. And so are you! <laughs> yeah, I watch movies. I don't look into movies. I don't look into movies for the show. You, like, do all this research and stuff. And you're big into movie and cinema, like, history. You took classes. Unfortunately. One I <laughs> dropped. Hey, man, if it sucks, it sucks. Yeah, true. Yeah, so what'd you think of The Nice Guys? Oh, I, I, I love this movie, and, like, with, with Gosling and, and Russell Crowe, mm. I need more Bunny Cop with, with them. Oh, dude, I there's supposed to be a sequel. We'll talk about it later. But, dude, I, I love them in this movie. They were so good. Ryan Gosling just, oh, mwah. Mwah. So good. I, I I literally just need more of them. Yeah, like I don't care what they're doing together as long as they're doing it together. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, such a good combo. Yeah, it, it was a surprise combo too. I remember seeing the trailer and going, have these guys ever worked together before? This is awesome. This is crazy. So. I, I, I said, I, I, I love this movie. I think on the movies anywhere account that I own, I have the 4K version of it. Yeah, it was like... crisp. When I watched it yesterday, Just, yeah, was crazy. I have a lot of movies on there. Um, there is one movie I want us to cover, which is I'll, I'll just bring up right now. Um, it's Requiem for a Dream. Ugh, no, I don't want to watch that pretentious ass film. No, no, watch it. Just watch it once. All, all you have to do is watch it once. You'll never have to watch it again. Is that the one with fucking Jim Carrey where he's like, I don't remember anything, but I no. have this journal. No, it's not that one. Nope, that's Eternal Sunshine. What's the Requiem for no, a Dream? No, no. You're, you're, you're thinking of the number 23. That's a Jim Carrey movie. No, the Jim Carrey one is Eternal Sunshine. 
No, it, well, th- that one is not is is not what you're perceiving it to be. Uh, it's still pretty uh, pretentious. What's uh, Requiem for a Dream? It is a movie that depicts the harsh reality of like drug addiction. It stars uh, Jared Leto. Um, I like Jared Leto enough. Hold on, let me pull up the casting. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. I thought it was the one with Eternal. I thought it was Eternal Sunshine, but it's not. Eternal Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love that movie to death. I can't. I don't like. I like Jim Carrey, but I can't watch that film. It's too like, whoa, man! Can you believe it? Uh, Requiem for a Dream has Jennifer Connelly, Jared Leto, uh, Marlon Wayne, Christopher McDonald. This is like a weird cast. It is, but oh my gosh. This movie is a you only want to watch it once and never see it again. Oh, it sounds like I don't want to ever see it, but maybe we'll watch it. If you throw it on the slate, I'll be forced to oh, watch I, it. Oh, so. I am planning on throwing it on the slate. I, I might have to give you my Amazon Prime account. I have an Amazon Prime account currently, well, but if that we'll changes... See. Well, because uh, we'll I see. have the 4K director's cut edition that i oh, bought oh yay it's more the more of a movie i don't want to watch yay well no <laughs> at, it, it's at so the director's cut is the same length of oh, the good. normal cut probably just with different takes and different shots okay but internal shot on internal shots on the spotless mind if you watched it it's it's such a good movie to me uh, i'll watch it at I some like point but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the nice guys so the Nice Guys, like I said before, is a 2016 American neo-noir action film directed by Shane Black and written by Shane Black and Anthony Bagarazzi. The film is set in 1977, Los Angeles. The film focuses on a private eye, played by Ryan Gosling, and a tough enforcer, played by Russell Crowe, who team up to investigate the disappearance of a teenage girl. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, and it is all that plus a fucking can of worms, man. It is fucking crazy. This movie does not stop. It does not. Yeah, this movie, it, it, it hit every cylinder that I wanted it to hit. This movie's fire. Like, so do I you want to understand? <laughs> do you want to read the cast? Because I will butcher names. Yeah, no, I got you, bro. So we have Russell Crowe as Jackson Healy. We have Ryan Gosling as Holland March. We got Angori Rice as Holly March, the daughter. You got Matt Bomer as John Boy, who doesn't show up until later on in the movie. I have a little fun note about that. Uh, we have Margaret Qualey as Amelia Kootner, the chick that they are trying to find. We have uh, Yaya DaCosta as Tally. Keith David as Older Guy slash Eddie Harris. Uh, Bu Knapp as Blueface. Lois Smith as Mrs. Glenn. And uh, Morelli Tello as Misty Mountains. <laughs> I fucking love Keith David. <laughs> Dude, Keith David was great in this film. Keith David is also in, in, in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, sweet. Maybe but, um, I'll watch it. <laughs> well, his character is... Whew. She. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Dude, the budget and box office for this movie blow my mind with how great this film is. I could, yeah, well, the, the, the box office could be a little bit higher, but... It should be double, but it's not. Yeah. So the budget of this film was fifty million, which is pretty cheap for a movie. Which is like maybe if you take out um, advertising, probably about like good ten to twenty five million. Yeah. But the box office return on this was sixty two point eight million dollars. Oof. 
which was rough, but also, like, if you look at the reviews of this film... Oh, people are, like, slow-stroking this movie. This movie's awesome. Yeah, like, the critics loved it, but, the, like, the, the the audience is, like, half on it. Yeah, it was weird. I checked it out uh, when I was doing the uh, review section. I was like, what the hell? It's so weird. Why is it so low? But, um... Where is the... it's, Like, also, like, there's a movie that I gotta talk about after we're, we're done recording on, on interviews mm-hmm. that I am, like, baffled by. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a couple. There's a lot of weird stuff that we got in here. But, uh, so, you want to hop into the notes right quick? Uh, yeah. Uh, like Blake's previous, uh, directed film, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Which we have to watch. That's a phenomenal movie. I'm not watching, nor have I ever heard of it until now. It's it's a Robert Downey Jr. flick. It's the first time him and Shane Black ever teamed up before Iron Man. Never heard of it until now. Oh, man. It's him and Army Hammer. I think it's Army Hammer. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. The nice guy's inspiration from... Uh, Brett Holiday, name, namely his novel uh, Blue Murder, Black initially wrote a vision of the script alongside Anth- uh, Anthony in 2001, which established uh, the characters, but otherwise was vastly different. According to Black, each would start with one detective. Um, he, with March and... How do you pronounce the last name? Um... Bargazol? Oh, Bagarosi. Bagarosi, okay. Um, with Haley along, uh, March and Baga- and Bagarosi with Healy along with along the way they swapped characters and eventually wrote a first draft. The vision of the script failed to attract any buyers and then Black reworked into a 64 ver- 64 page version that would serve for a television pilot. CBS became attracted to it, but gave the content lead to many to many uh, objections by standards and practices. Uh, the standards and practice department in eventually did not progress. Blackwood later, upon uh, promoting the release of the final film, speak despairingly. Uh, I know. I knew that word. I was just oh, cu- I was catching up with it. No, all good despairingly for the idea of the television series stating that such a show wouldn't have been any good by 2009 uh suggested changing the film from a contemporary setting in 1970s uh black produced uh, producer friend joel silver was initially weary of the idea as he felt audiences would not become welcoming to a period piece but he changed his mind after producing sherlock holmes Black stated that the change in time period helped as in a con a contrast to the oh my gosh to the divisiveness. Thank you. I was my, my brain saw <laughs> too many V's, too many S's. Divisiveness mm-hmm. that we see now. The seventies was full of multiculturalism, and was the aftermath of the protest. And you got was an, was the aftermath of the protest. And you got a sense that we were all in 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 this together. We're all in this together. <laughs> the content also drew from the film of a period such as a vanishing point and five easy pieces. Bagger Rosie, I keep on like my, my my brain cannot read that properly for some reason. Every time I come across it, Bagger Rosie noted that the film know that the title, The Nice Guys, aimed to be ironic and non-deceptive as the two main characters were literally the most worst the two most worst piece people that we could think of 
and they try to make try to make that the fun. Uh, given one arm break uh, and living, and the other uh, cons old ladies out of old men out of money. <laughs> yeah, Russell Crowe breaks arms, and uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling cons old ladies. It's great, yeah. dude. They're the worst people ever. I do apologize to the to the audience for butchering that. My brain is not firing at all on all cylinders right now. Mm, you should have had your monster. <laughs> well, I'm currently having ramen a, so. Ooh, fun. All right, where were we? Um when promoting this program, the loudest on uh when promoting his program, the loudest voice on the Howard Stern show, Russell Crowe said this was one of two films that he wishes there was a sequel as he liked playing the character. The other film was L.A. Confidential. These are just little fun notes that I got from uh, IMDb now because there's not a lot of notes in the Wikipedia stuff. I mean, in our totally credible sources. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, there's no notes there, actually, because that's yeah. where we go to. Yeah. So uh, the project was initially proposed as a TV series, like you said, but was retooled for a film after the plot seemed to be going nowhere. Uh, similarly to the studio's marketing campaign for Inherent Vice 2014 with Joaquin Phoenix, Warner Bros. released a 70s-style trailer, complete with Betamax artifacts, an optical soundtrack audio crackle, and an introducing credit for Kim Bassinger. I don't even know if she's in the movie. Um, The dialogue between the bartender and the detectives, um, he'll stop doing that. Doing what? Is the same line from Iron Man 3, where when Rhodey and Tony interrogate the Mandarin, both films are directed and co-written by Shane Black. Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., the body of Sid Shattuck is played... By Robert Downey Jr. wearing a fake beard in an uncredited cameo. I did not know that. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Did you know that the B was voiced by Hannibal Burris? No. <laughs> what? Yeah, dude, it's Hannibal Burris as Bumble the B, and then you know Sid is Robert Downey Jr. I just love these little nods because they're all friends. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, despite being the the film's main antagonist, Matt Bomer doesn't appear until exactly one hour. In 22 minutes and 17 seconds into the movie, the movie's only about two hours long, so he doesn't appear until the last 30 minutes of the movie. And he's, like, the big bad guy. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, So, in May 2016, prior to the film's release, Shane Black said that uh, a follow-up... He said of a follow-up, I think it's a little premature to consider a sequel. He said, I don't believe in jinxes necessarily, but we we really need people to see this one before we can even talk about it. We're up against some stiff superhero competition, and we just need people to, you know, see Captain, maybe see Captain America six times, but not the seventh, and see us instead. In August of 2018, Black reiterated his desire to make a sequel, uh, although noted the film probably didn't gross enough money at the box office to make it likely. Unfortunate, but is what it is. But in 2017, a year before this, he said um, he gave after. Fox... Oh, no, a year before, my bad. Well, no, a year before. Well, it's a year after it came out, a year before this... Um, in 2017 of September, Fox gave a script commitment to a contemporary female-led television version of The Nice Guys called The Nice Girls to be produced by uh, Silver Pictures Television with a script by uh, Michael Delberti. Dude, I'm down for this universe. Give us more. I don't care what it's, I don't uh, care what it is. Just give me. I, I I would like to see the casting of The Nice Girls before I give it Well, yeah. My two be, 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 before I give it any money and also I have a feeling it never got off the ground because that was 2017. Well, I mean, it takes a while to do shows, and then, you know, COVID hit, so. <laughs> but also, um, so, I, I think that they brought up Inherent Vice in the previous paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I actually, I own that movie, and I bought it at Dollar Tree. Dude, Inherent Vice is good. It was at Dollar Tree. The Inherent Blu-ray. Inherent Vice is good. 
the, the Blu-ray was a dollar. And I'm like, huh? You're like, what? Hey, man, Dollar Tree is Dollar Tree, you know? Yeah, and I, so, I, I've I, gotten some crappy movies. And I got some obscured movies like Hobo for Shotgun. Oh, dude, Hobo with a Shotgun is fire. I, I, <laughs> I own that. I watched it. And I was, like, amazed by it. <laughs> Sometimes you just find weird-ass films that are just too good to be true. Exactly. So, Zach, do you have any fun facts for this episode or not? Nah? I, I wish I did. I, I legit, I, 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 I knew the bare minimum about this film. I mean, I came at you with some cool casting fun facts, but that, I made that part of the notes, so yeah. it'd be how it'd be. But, uh, let's hop onto the plot. There's a lot of plot. In this one. So I'll rush through it as best I can. Because uh, <clears throat> I like to do it. So Don't rush too much because we're only about like 16 minutes in. Well, I'm not going to rush, I'm gonna, but I'm going to try to get through it. So, in 1977 Los Angeles, a young boy named Bobby admires a magazine centerfold of porn star Misty Mountains. When Misty herself crashes through the boy's house and dies afterwards, down on his luck, private eye, Holland March is hired by Misty's aunt, who claims to have seen her still alive. March's investigation leads him to Amelia Kuttner, an associate of Misty's who later pays enforcer Jack Healy to scare March away. Healy barges into March's house and breaks his arm before leaving. Later on, Healy is interrogated by two thugs, Blueface, so named after he sets off a dye pack while searching Healy's apartment, and Older Guy, about Amelia. Healy wards them off with a shotgun, and he teams up with reluctant March to find Amelia first. March and Healy question Amelia's anti-pollution protest group and meet Chet, who brings them to the burnt-down house of Amelia's boyfriend, Dean, who died in the fire. They learn that Amelia and Dean were working on uh, a movie with Misty Meadows, which would be an experimental film, which is porn. It combined pornography with investigative journalism, and the movie was called How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy? The two then infiltrate a party in search of the film's financers, Sid Shatuck. Uh, Healy discovers the film is missing, while a drunken March finds Shatuck dead and unknowingly crosses paths with Amelia. March's daughter, Holly, having snuck to the party, uh, manages to stop Blueface from killing Amelia, but Blueface is struck in a hit-and-run, and Amelia flees. Healy subdues older guy and finds Blueface dying, who tells Healy his boss has dispatched a hitman named John Boy to kill Amelia, March, and all other witnesses. Healy discreetly strangles Blueface to death, and the police arrive at the scene, and March and Healy are met by Amelia's mother, Judith Kuttner, a high-ranking office uh, official in the Justice Department, who claims Amelia is delusional and believes Judith wants her dead. Judith then hires the duo to find her daughter, Amelia. Sound like you had something to say? No, I was just I was looking at my phone because I got a notification from my D&D group. Okay, I wanted to make sure. Yep, all good. Uh, March and Healy go into an airport hotel where Amelia is meeting with distributors for the film. John Boy has arrived ahead of them. They witness the businessmen being slaughtered and hastily retreat. This is one of my favorite scenes. They just show up and all these guys are dying and they just close the elevator and leave. And then a guy falls out the window. Yup. Um, only for Amelia to land on their car and shoot at them, knocking herself unconscious. They take her to March's house where she reveals that her mother is in the pocket of a cartel-like Detroit automaker's. After uncovering evidence that they suppressed the catalytic converter, uh, which regulates exhaust emissions, Amelia created the film to expose their collusion, and her mother had everyone connected to the film killed. March tells Judith's assistant, Tally, that Amelia has been found and is at March's house. Tally then tells them, uh, then tell, oh my god, tells them that Judith has requested they deliver a briefcase of $100,000 to Judith, and informs them that the family doctor will go to March's house to check on Amelia. 
When March crashes the car, the briefcase flies open to reveal shredded magazines. The delivery was a diversion to leave Amelia unprotected. John Boy then arrives at March's house disguised as the family doctor, attacking Holly and her friend Jessica, then engaging in a shootout with March and Healy before evading the police. Amelia free flees the house, only to be killed by John Boy when she is unwittingly flags down his car. Yeah, yeah, One I, of the I, best I have, scenes in the movie. <laughs> I, I have a legit question about this. So, John Boy was at the hotel that she was at. She did yeah. not see him during that shootout that was going on? Possibly she did. It's possible she didn't. She just heard gunshots and probably ran away. Cause uh, it, it seems like she would have fucking saw him. Eh, you never know. And he just like goes like he's like oh well he he gets the biggest stroke of luck. He goes oh lucky me and just shoots. That's <laughs> so good. Ah, oh, that scene is good. I don't know why, her. but I love this movie. Um, but I I do love the plot progression. I pr- pr- progression after this and everything. Yeah. March and Healy are questioned by the police and then released, having no evidence that Judith is behind the murders. March realizes that nearsighted Mrs. Glenn didn't see Misty two days after her death. Mrs. Glenn saw Misty in a movie projected against a wall. At Misty's house, they discover a film projector, but the film is missing. They realize that Chet is the projectionist for the Los Angeles Auto Show and will try to screen the film at the event. At the Auto Show, Healy and March are intercepted by uh, at gunpoint by Tally, who is then distracted by Holly and knocked unconscious. Healy finds Chet, who has uh, spliced the film into the auto show presentation. The film plays to the entire auto show, implicating the auto executives. On the roof, March struggles with older guy who falls to his death while March lands in a pool, and he meets Richard Nixon. Holly stops Tally from reaching the uh, film. Healy overpowers John Boy, but spares his life at Holly's Holly's ultimatum, and March secures the film... Uh, for from the thugs by the uh, sent by the auto executives. Judith is then arrested, but insists she did not want Amelia killed, and that it was Detroit who wanted Amelia dead. Judith hired March and Amelia uh, and Healy to keep Amelia safe, and remarks that while she was still going to jail, Detroit still's gotten a- Detroit has still gotten away with trying to suppress the catalytic converter. Later at a bar on Christmas Eve, March shows Healy an advertisement for their new detective agency, The Nice Guys. All right, so I, Hunter, I'm going to ask you to do this. Even though you've seen the movie, always try to take notes for me, please. (laughs) Dude, I I wrote down, I I wrote in one of your notes. So, okay, I've already seen this movie before. So here's my mid-movie notes. There's two of them. I said, got none since I've seen this movie before and I love it. Sorry for a short episode, LOL. (laughs) And then you said, even though I've seen this movie, I still write notes as a little, (laughs) uh, as a little action towards me you little prick (laughs) yep that actually was the intent (laughs) and then i wrote hunter here when i watch the films i'm multitasking like making thumbnails and acquiring the notes for the rest of the show so sue me (laughs) i I you didn't do nothing for this episode you didn't do nothing for this episode bitch because i was on my phone watching the movie Uh on top of that i was working on shit as well i was on my computer making photoshops and doing this it is what it is man when it's a movie i haven't seen before i'm a little bit more genuine with my reactions i can't really react twice to something i'm like oh that's cool ha 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 like i've seen it i I can but like that's why you have notes have like talking points you don't have many notes I don't, but there's still talking points. Uh-huh. What you got, um, Chief? So, this is when, like, the car crashed through the house. 
Oh, yeah. You would have thought the parents would have reacted immediately. I guess not. Yeah, no. The parents didn't give a shit. They were like, let our boy see big boobies. <laughs> um, Fred's dead. This is when the old woman was talking about her missing husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, when's the last time you saw him? The funeral. Oh, no. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, this one is trying to get more information about Amelia. He punches the glass out mm. of the window and just cuts his wrist. He goes, fuck, 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 fuck. That hurts so fuck, fuck. No, no, so he, he goes, like, oh, that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. <laughs> it's fucking funny. It's because they're making her a little realistic, which is good. Uh, I need more Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in buddy cop films. We always do. Uh, you who is just chocolate water. But it still tastes like gold. Oh, it's delicious. It, it it's like your chocolate water, but it is amazing. It's god tier. Uh, Keith David is a goat. I have a feeling we all we 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 all know a Janet. Yeah. Yeah. Um the the porno young lady. <laughs> um uh, Russell Crowe was literally considering taking a job to beat up Janet. Yep. <laughs> um, so I noticed this as this film takes place in like 77, right? That, 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 that's at the full on standpoint. Yeah. It takes place in 1977. Okay. So when they're at the, uh, party, September, September came out in 1978. Hey, guess what? Who fucking cares? <laughs> this movie took place in 1977. So Shut up. that is a bit off. And... <sighs> This is when uh, Gosling was running, was lighting up his lighter. Um, a Zippo does not produce that much light. Hey, man. Oh, oh yeah, when he uh, sees the dead body? Yeah. It's just for cinematic effect. But uh, yeah. a, a Zippo does not produce that much light. Hey, man, it happens. And th- that is, like, the only notes I took because I was... Because n- n- nothing else really stood out. Yeah, nothing else besides the bee, but we talked about that. So. And, and then yeah, also, um, and then also Keith David turning into a pancake from falling oh, off the yeah, dude. from falling off the the roof. Oof! You see it, and you're like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, fun shit. So, on to our review segment of the show. So, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of ninety one percent based on three hundred and fifteen reviews, with an average score of seven point six out of ten. And an audience score of only 79%, which I'm surprised. But then again, we both gave it around a 79% anyway. But yeah. the website's critical consensus reads, The Nice Guys harkens back to the buddy comedies of a bygone era while adding some extra, while adding something extra courtesy of a knowing script and the irresistible chemistry of its leads. Which is facts, dude. Yeah. They're so good. So we gave it the same score, so who reads what? <laughs> Uh, I'll read that good review because I'm not a Debbie Downer like you are. Fuck you. <laughs> so, the good review from Sarah Michelle Fetters from MovieFreak.com. She says, The Nice Guys is a major blast. Crow and Gosling have uh, are having the times of their lives, bringing all this madcap, blood-splattered lunacy to life. That's facts, dude. This movie is just covered in blood, sweat, and tears of these fucking two dudes who are just trying to save this girl, and it doesn't work out. <laughs> so, this is the, the the bad review from Mac Massey of Gone with the Twins. Uh, the humor rarely flows naturally, instead arriving in the form of squabbling aside. Uh, designed specifically to be, the, to be separate, suggest moments outside of the plot. 
That is a staggered review. Yeah, he was like, the comedy's bad, and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, did you watch the same movie? Because, like, Uh, I wonder, can I find a more harsh review than that? I figured that one was pretty harsh, just basically going, oh, fuck this movie. Hold on. If you can find it, definitely. I'm to pad out this runtime a bit. (laughs) I wouldn't need to pad anything out, man. Uh, Get out of town. Let's do this. Scroll, 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 scroll. Short episode never killed anybody. Ah, uh, here we go. <clears throat> the nice guys lose its way time and time and time again, and generally and generally not in an intriguing manner. The filmmaker relies on too many cliches and shortcuts, um, psychotic hitman, quirky thug, and such, and too much pointless time-wasting violence. I feel like that guy should suck an asshole because he's wrong. This movie is awesome. And also, here's another one. The most disappointing effort from Shane Black can be described much like the private dick of the title. Uh, Not exactly great or even good, but ensures you you'll at least have a nice time watching it. That is, uh, I'll read both. So the first one I read where it says it loses its way, that is from David Wallace of world socialist website okay and the one i just read before that is from nicholas bell of um icon cinema or ion cinema um ion cinema.com so yes so nicholas bell gave it a harsh review (laughs) yeah he was like this movie's dog shit it's like shut up it's it's your dog shit Yeah, so, but we don't agree with those people, because they suck. Yeah, we don't. So, I gave it eight giant bees who need legroom out of ten. Hannibal Burris, man, came in in clutch. For my little explanation, I said, what's not to love about this film? Chemistry is amazing between Crow and the Gaz. Gosling's performance is one of my favorites from him. The characters are fun, and Shane Black's directing is on point. Just wish we had more from this universe. Seems like we will with the sequel on the way. So... I, uh, I too, gave it an 8, but I, I gave it 8. Jack, I'm fucking your dad out of 10. <laughs> oh, um, good shit. So, I, I gave this a similar explanation, saying this film was everything we need in a, in a current-day buddy cop film. From the chemistry you get um, with, with with so select few and it's perfect acting. Crow and Gosling killed it. I hope we get more um, of them in other films or just more in this world in general. I, I kind of want to see them in, in, in other films. Yeah. I want them to be together again. Reunited and it feels so good. What? Dude, yeah, so okay, hear know. me out. La La Land, but instead of Emma Stone, it's Russell Crowe. God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is just... There's a lot wrong with you. You need actual fucking help. What, you tell me that movie wouldn't be awesome? No. It'd be called the La La Guys. I want I want you to die in a fire. <laughs> You're just jealous you didn't think of it first. No, I'm not jealous. I'm upset. <laughs> I am very upset. Yeah, so I'm, I'm surprised we gave it like the exact same review. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, I think what? The last time we had the same review was like the first like handful of episodes? It was like one of the first 12, I think. And we're at like... 41 right now yeah 41 42 yeah man that's crazy still can't believe it's almost been it's legit almost been a year for us yeah 
coming what, up 10 on it. more episodes? Uh, about that. Dude, almost. crazy. Crazy. Uh, well, what give or take. Too? Um, I think there's like, oh, well, there's movie news. Like, the trailer for Venom came out. No, we don't need to do that. That's not what the show is. I know, but fuck. We need to pad out this runtime. We 30 don't. minutes, man. We don't. We got 30 minutes right now. So, thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Box Office Losers and Twitter at Box Office Loser for up-to-date news. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. But before we say bye-bye, Zachary, where can we find you on the interwebs? And also pimp out your new shows. Yes. You can find me everywhere at Dark Shadow Zake. And when I say everywhere, I mean fucking everywhere. Um, you can catch me every Thursday on the Sports Hit List covering AEW Dynamite on my show, The AEW Injection. Also, my new show. I do not have a, re- a release date yet, but it's the new show that I'm hosting called Pro Wrestling What Ifs. It's where we take the biggest what ifs in pro wrestling history and see if we can rebook them the way that they were meant to be. That'd be cool. I'm down to check that out for sure, man. Yeah. You gotta try to get it on YouTube or on... That one, um, th- th- that one is gonna go up on YouTube. That's a YouTube show, yeah, and you definitely gotta get the AEW injection onto podcast services because I've been trying to watch it, but I don't like going through Facebook. Facebook sucks. Facebook watches for old people. Yeah, but like, we have like a thousand views on some episodes. Then promote it, promote your thousand viewers to go to Anchor. And then they'll watch it on Anchor, or Spotify, or Apple. Missed opportunity, it. bro, because then you can get ads on that shit. I know, but that's more editing for me to do. <laughs> Barely. Anchor does it pretty easily. Hate you sometimes for that. Hey, man, just saying. All right, Hunter, where can we find you? You can find me at Scruffy Moose Man pretty much everywhere on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Android's Amazing Podcast every Wednesday. It's a comic book podcast I do with my coworker. Uh, you can find me every Thursday at The Farthest Galaxy, which is a Star Wars podcast I do with one of my best buddies. We just had um, my buddy CJ on recently, and we talked about the Gendi Tarvkoski um, micro-series. But for some reason, uh, Anchor has been giving me problems with some of my Apple podcasts, so if you don't see it on there, uh, check Spotify or something. It's definitely on Spotify, those episodes. But, um, and then we, me, Alex, and CJ just recently recorded another episode of Pound That Button. It's kind of like a welcome back episode. We don't know how consistent that's going to be, but we did bring it back for like a little reunion thing, because now that we're all basically vaxxed up, we're able to hang out in person again. So, yay! Definitely check that out. Give it some uh, up them views for Pound That Button. And, uh, yeah, see you guys on the flippity flop. Yeah, all right, guys. Peace. Bye.